All right, good morning, folks. What's up, what's up, what's up? Today is Friday, whoop, whoop, April 7th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 340, if you can believe it, of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. In this next 45 minutes, me, you, Dan Catledge, Taekwong Gong, Harish Kumar, Peter Lee, Nathan Boland, Marcus Seiler, Andy Nakamura, Subaru, Carrie, Kimberly, Nathan, Joel B, Justin Gold, Aaron, everybody, the whole Simply Cyber squad and you are going to be tearing up the top, top cyber news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my opinion, my analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize it at work uh, next week? And if you're looking to break into the industry, we definitely have value for you here. You will get exposed to a bunch of content, a bunch of concepts. Uh, sometimes I drill into different topics. At the end of the day, you will be asked in any cybersecurity job interview, how do you stay current? This is a fantastic answer, not just to check the box, but also I'm telling you, believe me, you're going to get value here. Plus the networking is fantastic. Danovan Price, Jared Pierpoint, you guys know Tom Bishop, you know what's up. But before we get into it, let me give a little love. Let me give a little shout out to the stream sponsors who pay the bills around here. Barricade Cyber Solutions. Starting with them, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, regular members of the Simply Cyber community. You guys know them. They, they've been around so long and they've been supporting so strong that they even have an emote, little, little emote love for my Barricade Cyber folks. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues, massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below. But if you scroll down here, if you're watching live on stream, you can see Eric Taylor's calendar. I bring it up every single day. Guys, two mouse clicks and you're on his calendar having a meeting with him. Not only is he a great guy, very knowledgeable in the, in the uh, mysterious arts of incident response, but he can really drill in. He, he's really a no-nonsense kind of guy. So he'll just drill into like, okay, what's your business? What platforms are you using? What's your tech stack? All right, if I was going to help you, we would need this, this, and this. Do you want to set it up in advance and just have it like as a warm standby? So if crap hits the fan, you just call me on the red phone, flip the switches, and I'm in taking care of business? Yes. Trust me, guys. I'm not just saying it because they're sponsors. I'm telling you because it's legit. This is what's up. Also want to say much love to Panopsi Security, Brandon Poole, another dear friend and Simply Cyber community member. Panopsi Security uh, offers all sorts of uh, security services, tabletop exercises, quantified risk assessments. But that's really where I want to drill in is quantified risk assessments. Let's double click on that. Dude, a quantified risk assessment performed by a qualified individual can do wonders for your business. Essentially, if you're just guessing what to do next or like, you know, the CIO is like, hey, I need your budget by uh, the end of the month. And you're like, oh my God, I don't even know what to ask for. Just make a number up and see what happens. No, you're like, that's not, you can do that, but that's not a good practice. What you should do, get a quantified risk assessment. Yeah, it costs a couple bucks, but whatever, put it into your budget request. Then use the quantified risk assessment to uncover and discover statistically sound evidence-based findings of how exposed you are. When I ask a business, what's your risk appetite? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I really don't want anything bad to happen. That's not an answer. I can't do anything with that. Obviously, you don't want anything bad to happen. With a quantified risk assessment, you can say literally, hey, business, you have a 75% to 82% chance of a ransomware incident next year. You are in grave danger. If we introduce these controls, MFA, MDM, you know, whatever, immutable backups, we can bring it down to 10% to 14% chance. It, it could still happen, but the, the likelihood is way lower. Do you want to make that investment? Or CISO, you just say, I need budget for this because if you don't give me the budget, 
statistically speaking, because of this work we had done, we will get hit with ransomware. So you tell me what you want to do. And I'm not going to be the guy who says, I told you so, but listen, fund my projects or else we're in trouble, man. Oh, <laughs> Aaron KG, I've only had one sip so far this morning, buddy. Woo! <clears throat> it's actually, I was a couple minutes late. I'm still recovering. Okay, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll tell you at the jawjacking period. Talk to me about my setup in the morning. I used to have one button on the stream deck I'd push and everything would turn on and I'd high five myself. Now, uh, I'm executing um, in, still in a diminished capacity. I'm, I'm in the DR mode right now. I'm operating at 80% capacity. All right. Thank you to the sponsors, also XM Cyber, but more about them at the mid-roll. I don't want to overwhelm you guys with all the stream sponsor talk. Now, check it out. If you're live, absolutely love it. I see 112 of you here. It is a Friday. You know, Thursday is the start of the college weekend. So if there was any college students who are members of the Simply Cyber community, I'll see you on Team Replay. But if you are live, hashtag Team Live in chat. Love seeing you guys. Holla, 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 holla. Hopefully you guys caught last night's stream with Mike uh, Warner. Wow. What a value knowledge bomb drop. The guy just ran in, detonated, and ran out. It was so sick. If you're watching on replay, whether you're left coast loving Brady McNulty, Nick Barker, or you're just a college student on the East Coast who got into the Borgs a little bit too strong last night, hashtag Team Replay in the comments. Uh, I, I, I've been a little busy and haven't been able to get into the Team Replay comments as much as I'd like, but I see you guys. I, I know you're, you're there. And finally, my friends, passive observers, if you're lurking in the, in the shadows, if you're a regular of the stream, if you're just checking it out, and you don't feel comfortable saying hi because this chat looks like a raging river just streaming by and you're like, I'm not jumping in there. I don't I don't want to blow myself up. I, I'm an imposter syndrome. I, I'm nervous. I don't have anything of value to offer. Send that to the to the dump because you are important. Hashtag passive observer in chat. Stacy Loki in the house. Nice, Stacy. Good to see you. Hope the night shift was good to you. Shout out. Do love me some Stacy Loki, longtime Simply Cyber community member. All right, guys. We got about 20 seconds before we holla into the news. Let me take a good slug off this coffee. I hope you guys are all healthy. I hope the ones you love are doing well. Let's have some coffee and get right into the news, yeah? Mmm. Gosh, I wish Starbucks would contact me about an affiliate deal. I would affiliate the crap out of some French roast. Wow, that's good. The CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, April 7th, 2023. Criminal Records Office yanks web portal offline amidst cybersecurity incident. ACRO, A-C-R-O, the UK's criminal records office, is coming over a, quote, cybersecurity incident, end quote, that forced it to pull its customer portal offline. The government agency manages people's criminal record information and assists employers vetting potential hires and embassies processing visa applications. The data is drawn from the UK's police national computer via an information-sharing agreement that ACRO has with the Cabinet Office. In an email to users this week, it confirmed it has recently been aware of, quote, a cybersecurity incident affecting the website between the 17th of January 2023 and 21st of March, end quote, adding, quote, we have no conclusive evidence that personal data has been affected by this incident, end quote. All right. Anthony, I use Stream Deck XL. I used to have the regular Stream Deck, but I went, I, <laughs> I, I went, uh, I went to the, I don't know, to the moon with the Stream Deck XL. All right, so guys, check this out. I got some fun stuff to talk about on this one. Okay, so this is a UK, uh, basically criminal database, right? So anytime you apply for a job, you apply for credit, you're applying to be a babysitter, whatever. Someone, or you're, you know, maybe maybe you're gonna date someone and they, they have the ability to do this, whatever it is. Um, it's a system that keeps track of uh, criminal um, records, right? So you've committed a crime when you were 16, you stole a car, you stole a candy bar, you robbed a bank, you beat someone up in an elevator, whatever it is, and you serve time. You went through the judicial system in the UK. This database apparently has a record of it, which makes sense, right? It sucks um, that you know a transgression you made in the past uh, maybe somehow affects you in the future, but that's the deal, guys. That's that's why it's called punishment, right? And we could get into the whole 
uh, you know, philosophical debate of like, how long, like, are you supposed to pay for this, uh, this punishment for the rest of your life and all that? We could get into that. But what's really interesting here is that that database suffered a cybersecurity incident. Now, it says payment data was safe, but other info may have been snaffled, whatever that verb is. Uh, I'll tell you what, that was not on my GREs. Okay, so check this out. Two things come to mind. One, on, on the surface, as it was coming in, I was like, oh, it must be a ransomware incident, right? Like just whatever, another, another, another. Another poorly configured, mismanaged law enforcement database that probably thought, well, we're law enforcement. What criminal would dare mess with us? Okay, that's what I was thinking. But now the more I think about it, it, in the world of information security, and if this is day zero for you in information security, you haven't heard this yet. But if it's day one or past, you have heard this because this is literally the very first thing that you will hear in any information security training or anything. The CIA triad, right? Wait, you know, right? Like get my, uh, my CIA triad up, my Legend of Zelda uh, Triforce thing. Okay, your CIA triad, confidentiality and availability, very easy for people to wrap their head around, right? Like confidentiality, you can't see it, it's classified, it's behind lock and key, it's not for your eyes, right? This message will self-destruct. Availability, even more obvious, right? Our IT brethren, they love themselves some five nines availability, right? Is the system up? Hey, Google's not working, I can't access it, my Netflix is buffering, ugh. Okay, this is all about availability, denial of service. But we old integrity over in the corner, even though it's a triangle, it's it's not really an, iso uh, an equilateral triangle, it's more like uh, an isosceles triangle with the, um, with the, this is actually a, a, a four-sided shape I'm making, <laughs> but basically the integrity one always gets the short stick. The integrity one always gets like the chicken wing and doesn't get the chicken, you know, the chicken leg, right? Like the, the integrity ones always get knocked to the side. Like, no, get out of here. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a second class control or security objective, okay? So check it out. Integrity is wicked important. And in this instance, it could be the mission objective. Integrity is the fidelity and the integrity of the data itself. Is the data you're looking at accurate, right? Social engineers do this all the time, effectively, when they send you a bogus link with puny code changes. That's kind of an attack on integrity because they're trying to trick you on the validity of where they're sending you. In this instance, dude, I'm telling you, Maybe someone had gotten to the point where their life was so hosed because of their criminal history that they decided to do something about it and go into this database and attack the integrity of it. You know, like we see in these Hollywood movies where like, oh, hey, if you go and do this, like, I know that you're a criminal and you're not allowed in the United States. This is like the plot of every techno hacker movie. You're not allowed. But if you do this one job for us, we'll expunge your record. It'll be wiped like it never happened. And then you find out the hacker is like, you know, a criminal with a heart of gold who actually did the crime to like, you know, be able to get a loaf of bread for their starving younger sister or something like that. So you don't feel bad when they expunge the record. Okay. So, but in reality, this is exactly... To me, more likely than a ransomware incident, right? Unless they come out and say, oh yeah, whatever. But like payment data is safe, right? Clearly not a financially motivated crime. The data was a little bit muffled and stuff like that. And if you do uh, an integrity attack, well, it's very difficult to uh, identify what happens unless you have great logs. Uh, also worth noting, if you want another great, 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 when I say great, I'm talking like mm, chef's kiss, example of an attack on integrity, Look at the Bangladeshi bank heist by Lazarus Group uh, in like 2017 or 2014 or whatever it was. Anyways, long story short, um, they they did this very, very complicated attack to attempt to steal a billion dollars uh, from the Bank of Bangladesh. And they ended up getting like $80 million. But they attacked the integrity, among other things, they had to do multiple attacks, but they attacked the integrity of the record keeping of the SWIFT database inside the big branch in um, Bangladesh or wherever, wherever it was that they attacked. Um, and they actually deleted and inserted database records to make the, the, the forensic uh, log look accurate and not hot and not show the malicious stuff they were doing. Very, very sophisticated, wicked, elegant attack on integrity. So, whoo. All right, there we go.
Samsung reportedly leaked its own secrets through ChatGPT. There you go, buddy. Less than three weeks after Samsung lifted a ban on employees using ChatGPT, the company has reportedly leaked its own secrets at least three times. The ban was originally intended to protect company data but was lifted on March 11th to enhance productivity and keep staff engaged with the world's latest tech tools. According to a Korean local media report, those now-leaked secrets include equipment measurement and yield data from the conglomerate's device solution and semiconductor business unit. One employee told the local outlet they copied all the problematic source code of a semiconductor database download program, entered it into ChatGPT, and inquired about a solution. Okay, really quick. Uh, BSEC says they attacked the printer. They did attack the printer, but they also attacked the database um, that was keeping records of the SWIFT transactions. They did all sorts of stuff, those, those, those crazy North Koreans. Okay, so first of all, we get the rare mashup of... Shall we play a game? Oh! We, <laughs> we get the rare mashup of Carl using ChatGPT. Okay, guys. So, yeah, actually, this is so dumb. And Marcus, I don't have that sound effect on my stream deck yet. Um, it, it was there. Now I've got a, I, you know, obviously I, I, um, I'm rebuilding it slowly. Guys, listen to this. Any, even if you're paying for ChatGPT, you've got to read the terms of service, the terms of use, the EULA. And I know, who reads the EULA? Scroll, 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 click, check mark, click. Like, I ain't got time for this. I need to get into some chat GPT right now, right? But you gotta read the EULA. Now, maybe if you pay for it, maybe you have some assurances of an independent uh, private instance. But if you're not paying for it, you have zero chance of that. If you are paying for it, you'd have to read the EULA. Guys, anything, anything that is a public system that you put information in, whether it's Facebook, ChatGPT, VirusTotal, Any.Run, anything you stick in these things, you no longer own it, my friend. You don't own it. That is why you have to be super careful and deliberate about what you're sticking in it and educating your end user community on what you're sticking in it. This this is essentially like this engineer right-clicked copy pasted to the internet <laughs> sensitive secrets of semiconductor blueprints or source code or something like that. I mean, dude, like here's the thing. Like say, in, just to use another example, like let's say that a C, the CEO uh, says, oh, hey, I got this weird file. Like what is this? And you're like, well, let me look into it, ma'am and you right click save it and then you upload it into any.run and detonate it. Yes. I'm doing malware analysis. I'm doing dynamic analysis. I'm I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm getting filthy up in this cyber techno jargon. And then you find out it's just a um it's a you know, it's a uh, an offer for a you know, two public companies having a negotiation around an acquisition and now you've just publicly detonated the deal because you, you know, you publicly exposed it, right? Like you, you have to be careful what you stick in these things. And I know it's super convenient and super easy to detonate something up in any dot run or any of these sandboxes, but you've got to be mindful of what you're doing. Like me personally, I, I, I do static analysis on, you know, potential malware. And only when I'm confident that it's definitely not something appropriate do I detonate it in a dynamic cloud instance sandbox or I spin up my own, you know, sandbox, which not everyone can do that, but like I spin up my own and detonate it there. That This is insane. Okay. And it, it you know, what's too funny is like Samsung actually had a, a moratorium on chat GPT for staff to use. So they didn't even use it to protect them from this exact scenario. And the second they authorize it, Carl in R and D drops it, man. Dang. So anyways, um, I will tell you this, the final thing. Um, Samsung's only getting publicly lambasted for this, but I guarantee you, guarantee you, that other businesses have done this. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And by the way, we don't see, I don't know if anyone else has thought about this. Surely a community like this has thought about this. We have not seen what ChatGPT is, or OpenAI is doing with all of the, 
intel that they're getting, right? They're getting you. We, the, you, the world community, is building this massive database of information. <laughs> and no one's asking, what happens to it? Where does it go? I mean, it's not volatile. It doesn't disappear. They're just like, I mean, it's in, it's crazy what they're getting. So anyways, very, very uh, not surprising. I would say, guys, like as an opportunity, especially if you're dealing with sensitive information inside your um, environment, like manufacturing, blueprints, software development, et cetera, you absolutely should send this to your uh, specific audience, right? Don't send this to the accounting people, maybe. I mean, it, it might be. ChatGPT is kind of ubiquitous at this point, but really send it to those um, technical engineer type people who would leverage ChatGPT to help them do their job and accidentally disclose secrets. Send them this story and say, hey, we just want to be careful on what we're sticking into uh, public service things, right? So there you go. And I wish, I wish if I, maybe during the mid-roll, I'll, I'll bring up the uh, you're so dumb sound bit. Money message ransomware gang claims MSI breach demands $4 million. Taiwanese PC parts maker MSI, that stands for MicroStar International, has been listed on the extortion portal of a new ransomware gang known as Money Message, which claims to have stolen source code from the company's network. MSI is a global hardware giant that makes motherboards, graphics cards, desktops, laptops, servers, industrial systems, PC peripherals, and infotainment products with an annual revenue that surpasses $6.5 billion. The threat actor has posted screenshots of what they claim to be the hardware vendors' CTMS and ERP databases and files containing software source code, private keys, and BIOS firmware. Money Message now threatens to publish all these allegedly stolen documents in about five days unless MSI meets its ransom payment demands. What's their ransom payment demand? Did, did, did we get that? Um, I mean, $6.5 billion, right? If I had to guess, I mean, anything short of, anything short of like $100 million, anything short of $100 million, um, is it $4 million? Dude, <laughs> money message. What are you, new? Are you new? Dude, $4 million, that's less than, that's less than what, 0.1%, a tenth of a percent of their annual revenue. Hey, I'm not saying, hey, you know what? Great cash, homie. Don't be greedy, don't be greedy. But dude, <laughs> six and a half billion dollar revenue company, you'd think that, you know, you know, a senior financial analyst has like signature authority for $4 million. I would imagine, I would imagine this gets paid. That, yeah, this gets paid. I don't even know if they call their insurance company on this one. You know what I mean? Just like, ah, oh, damn. All right, back to work, everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So whatever, money message, you know. Actually, I'm kind of curious if Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, any other... um incident responders that, that deal directly with the ransomware gangs. I know uh, Eric does. Um, are we seeing a trend in ransomware threat actors kind of asking lower ransoms in order to just get the money, uh, get it through instead of being greedy? I'm curious on that, but dude, money message. Like, I don't know. I guess if you got, if you, if you have to pick a, a, a ransomware threat actor to hit you, come on, money message. You know what I mean? <laughs> eh. It'd be like, it'd be like hitting me and being like, you know, uh, like we're demanding 87 cents pay up or you will dump your files. It's like, <laughs> okay, show me, tell me where to, tell me where to send the rolling nickels. You can keep the change. Many workers willing to take a pay cut to work remotely, survey finds. Americans have grown so fond of working from home that many are willing to sacrifice pay on average up to 18% for the privilege of skipping the office. This is according to a recent survey by recruiting firm Robert Half. The survey polled more than 2,500 U.S. workers and 2,100 hiring managers in November and found that roughly three-quarters of workers said they are happier and more productive when they're working from home, despite sometimes having to work longer hours. Yet those preferences are finding pushback from employers to get people back in the office. A recent resume builder survey found that 9 out of 10 companies will require employees back to the office this year. You know, I, 
Okay, so I have been working remotely since the pandemic, uh, or since early 2020, okay? Now, I know that I'm not, um, I'm not a typical, you know, use case, okay? So I'm well aware of that, but, but I will never go back to the office. I will, I will travel for certain events, like, you know, on April 20th. On April 20th, catch me at San Diego, one night only uh, performance. I mean, I have to go to San Diego for, for my for my uh, for my business, but I'm not going to the office day in and day out, and I will never go back to the office. Okay, Mike Warner just last night uh, on stream said that he converted to work from wherever you want in 2014 or something, way before the pandemic. Guys, I I I do not understand. Okay, so this borderline warrants this. Okay, I do not understand why. There is this massive demand. I have theories, little tinfoil hat theories. Uh, I'll, I'll touch it right now and maybe on the jaw jack and I'll get into it. But I do not understand what this unbelievable demand is to get people back in the office. It's ridiculous. Like the, 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 the society didn't collapse when we stopped going into the office, right? And so here's a bunch of things. One, when you don't require someone to go to the office, you no longer have a geographical constraint on the talent pool, which means you can get anyone from anywhere, which means your ability to get talent, people that can do the job, do it well, you know, do it at a fair price, expands dramatically. So there you go. It's better for the business. Second of all, the business doesn't have to pay commercial real estate, commercial leases, commercial rentals. Dude, if you bought your staff a computer and a phone and a desk and a printer and you mailed it to all of them, it would still be less than what it would cost you for a year of leasing a commercial space in any city in the United States. So the business, again, is making money. Cash, the only people who are losing money, and this is where my tinfoil hat comes in, is the only people losing money are... The commercial real estate people who are obviously very wealthy and obviously very influential and very powerful. And the only thing I can think of is they're losing money and they're flexing all of their juice in order to spawn this narrative because they can't just say, you got to come back. There's got to be a compelling reason. So they're spawning this narrative that if you don't work from the office, you're not being productive. So that's the first thing. Second, okay, and then here's my final thing. If we're just looking at the cash money, the business, so I, I'm sorry, I guess we're gonna do this now. If you're just looking at the money, it's better for the business. But if you look at it from a retention perspective, four years, four years, okay? F-O-R years, you're like, you know, whatever. You get up at seven, you drive to work, you're there at eight, you work to five, you drive home, it's six o'clock. Whether you're working for eight hours or not, you're just like grab, playing grab by the printer, taking 50 coffee breaks, you take up smoking for some reason so you can go out and smoke butts outside. Um... You're not working on a second job. You're not working on developing yourself. You're not expanding on your ability. You're not running a side hustle, okay? And and like when you do side hustles, when you invest in yourself, when you're doing extra education with the free time that you have because you're not commuting and all this other crap, you improve yourself and all of a sudden you go find another job. So like there's like a long play that I think um, businesses are concerned about their staff like not being retained because now they'll have to pay them fairly. They'll have to treat them fairly. Um, I have, I am getting uh, through a side channel right now. The argument that people in an office seem to be better, uh, better team members, uh, social fellowship, good communications. All that is true. Um, I do feel personally like we do have a lot of technology um, to facilitate those interactions now. Personally, you know, and I'm a very social person. This is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll do the mid-roll. I'm a very social person. When I'm working and somebody walks over to my cube and starts talking to me about nonsense, it bothers me to a level that I cannot explain because when I work, I have to build like mental models and I, I'm like very focused on what I'm doing. And it takes me 15 minutes to get it all straight. And then I'm I'm just executing on work. And when, you know, whoever comes over and is like, Hey, Jerry, did you watch the new game of Thrones? And I'm like, no, I, I didn't. I didn't They're like, Oh, like, let me tell you about it. And like, I'm all about being social, but like, I'm working here, obviously. 
and I don't have a door on my cube, so I can't tell you to get out, but like you've destroyed my productivity. So now let's talk about Game of Thrones. That's cool. And now 20 minutes later, you wander away to go talk to someone else and I've got to spend 15 more minutes and an hour has passed and I've accomplished nothing. Okay? All right. And now a word from our sponsor, Normalize. Normalize is a cloud data security platform that continuously discovers sensitive data and their access paths across your cloud environments. Normalize provides the ability to analyze, prioritize, and respond to data threats to prevent damaging data breaches. Their cloud-native platform manages data security posture and compliance by automatically tracking risks to sensitive data, visually showing teams who can access what, and quickly block unauthorized access or vulnerable points of attack. Discover, visualize, and secure your cloud data in minutes with Normalize Freemium. Go to normalize.ai, that's N-O-R-M-A-L-Y-Z-E dot A-I. All right, guys, want to say mid-roll, holla, holla, holla. Thank you all so very much for being here today. We're at 185. 185, folks, we're doing great. I want to say thank you to Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and XM Cyber. Guys, I mentioned XM Cyber a little while ago, but I want to remind you about them listen xm cyber if you guys don't know they're another stream sponsor thank you xm cyber for the support xm cyber um helps you actually see your exposure <laughs> your your attack surface attack paths right so in a normal enterprise you have misconfigured technology you have vulnerabilities mismanaged credentials in the cloud on-prem it's all a hot mess on fire and attackers are well aware of that and they look poke and prod you may even think you have controls in place that are not actually implemented correctly. XM Cyber actually addresses this and gives you a way to view your hybrid cloud exposure. So instead of looking at these things independently, like your identity and access management people are looking at identities and your engineers are looking at configurations and you're looking at vulnerabilities, they combine all of those to give you a visual attack graph and allow you to uncover hidden attack paths and gaps in your security controls across your entire infrastructure, including cloud. So you can actually, and this is the real value of it, you can visually see and pinpoint, prioritize the issues that are actually putting your organization at risk, right? So if you have this massive attack surface and everything kind of goes through like two choke points in order to get to your crown jewels, well, guess what? Why don't you focus on hardening those two choke points first and reducing cyber risk? That's the deal. Uh, with XM Cyber. So if you're interested in getting laser-focused remediation and actually putting your time, energy, effort, and resources to greatest risk reduction, check out XM Cyber. Click on the link in the description below. You'll see it in the in the description or go to XMCyber.com uh, and demo their exposure management platform. Plus, every time you click on the link in the description below, it, it does a little tally and it tells them that people are clicking on it. So holla, holla, holla. JoJo! Just become best friends. Yep. Love it, love it, love it. Thanks for the super chat, Jojo, and also ha happy early birthday to you. Guys, um, oh my gosh. I just want to remind everybody about the Simply Cyber newsletter. I send an email every Monday. I have a threat in intel email that also goes out. It's in beta. We're going to take a pause on it. I, I'm, I'm clearly overwhelmed right now because I was supposed to send it Wednesday, then I was supposed to send it Thursday. I'm going to try to send it today. Um, yeah. Uh, also, 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 um, I sent the three things crush it email on Monday. Many of you get it. If you did not open it, I resent it on Wednesday. Let me know in chat, if you will, or DM me. I don't care. Let me know. Did you like it when I resent it to you or not? Or, or did that seem like a nuisance? I'm trying to balance between um, delivering value to you and respecting your time and also not pestering you. So I'm just experimenting with resending. And it only went to people who did not open the email initially. So let me know. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is a, a project I'm very passionate about. Cyber Ninja uh, did the um, Simply Cyber Community Challenge yesterday, and hopefully Cyber Ninja's in chat and can tag someone today. But basically, every single show, we tag a new person. That person goes on LinkedIn and posts their cyber. Why? Why are you doing it? What do you love about it? Where's your passion? What's your story? 
and adds the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, tags me in it, and um, everybody that sees it, comments on it, connect with them. This is the key takeaway, you have to do this. Connect with those people, build your own professional network. It will pay you massive dividends, I promise you. You just have to put the work in, and this is a mechanism to go. Let's go, Nick. Let's go, Nick, picking up the baton on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thank you so much, Cyber Ninja. Guys, it is Grayson's joke of the day. Uh, he told it to me. I will hopefully get it right. Every single day of the week has a special a special uh, little segment, and today is Friday, so it's the Grayson, my son, joke of the week. Jason, uh, Jason Grayson asks, um, what do you get? What do you get when you cross a knock-knock joke with a rhetorical question? Is, is that the joke? <laughs> I think that's the joke. <laughs> I think that's the whole joke. Uh, let me see. I think that's the whole joke. What do you get when you cross a knock-knock joke with a rhetorical question? That that's it. <laughs> it took me a while to get it. I'll be I'll be real. Um, <laughs> I'll be real. <laughs> I'll let Grayson know you guys loved it. He's a smart cookie, that kid. Very smart. He actually just got recognized at school on Tuesday for being um very very um uh smart. So, all right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed the joke. Thank you very much, Grayson, for your continued support of the show. Let's get back into it, and I'll see you jaw-jacking. OCR Labs exposes its systems jeopardizing major banking clients. London-based OCR Labs, a major provider of digital ID verification tools with clients that include BMW, Vodafone, the Australian government, HSBC, and Virgin Money, has stated that a misconfiguration of the company's systems exposed sensitive credentials to the public. Although the issue has now been fixed, the data could be used by threat actors to breach a bank's back-end infrastructure and consequently the infrastructure of their clients. The discovered data leak specifically impacted financial institutions in Australia and the UK. Google. All right. He is wicked smart. All right, guys. So uh, I don't know who OCR Labs is, but just another misconfiguration. And I hate to bag on Carl, but, you know, people make misconfigurations. If you've worked in IT for more than a, a minute, you've got a story. Everyone's got a story of their biggest oops. Um, you know, and if you want during jaw jack and I'll share mine, but everybody's got one. So I, I'm not bagging on this person, but um, this person leaked sensitive credentials and put uh, um, clients at risk, including an Australian bank, uh, which isn't good, right? Uh, basically, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Somebody made a mistake. They leaked creds. Um, it could be API creds. The good thing is API creds can be um, easily revoked and reissued. So, you know, the, the recovery phase of this is not so bad. Okay. It's not like your hard coded passwords and product that you've shipped and something like that, and you can't fix it. It can be fixed. The key with this is discovering that you've done it, which it sounds like they did. So hopefully, um, hopefully this allows, uh, them to, to, you know, basically, um, minimize the impact of this but guys api again api um ha hacking api security it's a real thing guys like if you have financial systems that are built like think about your think about your phone right you have mobile banking on your phone right you, you're uh you're doing um stock trading on Robinhood on your phone right whatever like your phone has an app on it the app is interfacing with the Robinhood infrastructure through apis right so if those APIs are compromised, like the API keys, the secrets are compromised, if the APIs are written poorly and they're able to be exploited, money could be flowing out of your account unbeknownst to you, okay? So, and you could see here, um, you could Im do impersonation, spoofing attack if you have those API keys. Absolutely. And um, I mean, that's why, guys. I have an affiliate link for this, but I don't have access to it right now, so I don't even care. Um, but just... Like the AP, uh, there, uh, TCM just released a new course. Where is it? Practical API hacking. I want to take this personally. Like I don't do it for a living, but I'm fascinated by API hacking. Definitely. 
I don't want to call it the wave of the future because APIs have been around for a while, but like definitely a lot of opportunity, a lot of attack surface up in there. Look at this. Oh, hey, what's up, Jerry? Nice course. Definitive GRC analyst masterclass. I really want to get this logo on like a hat or something and just rock it. All right, let's keep going. And Amazon struggle to lay off workers in Europe. After announcing the largest rounds of layoffs in their history, U.S. big tech companies are now learning how difficult it is to reduce headcount in Europe. As opposed to the U.S., where companies can announce widespread job cuts and let go of hundreds, if not thousands, of workers within months, in Europe, mass layoffs amongst tech companies have stalled because of labor protections that make it virtually impossible to dismiss people in some countries without prior consultations with employee interest groups. By law, companies are required to bargain with labor law councils before implementing layoffs, a sometimes lengthy process that includes information gathering, negotiations, and the possibility of recourse. Because of these requirements, Google branches in Germany and France will likely be some of the last locations to be affected by the cuts, if even at all. Oh my god, that must be awkward. <laughs> hey everybody, um, you're fired. No, 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 no. Naughty, naughty, naughty. We're not fired, but I guess we're still going to come to work, even though we know we don't want, we don't, you don't want us here anymore. Um, I'm sure the productivity is through the roof in Germany and France of those people. Um, geez. Okay. So first of all, Amazon, I will say this. I shop on Amazon all the time. Amazon's also has multiple documented instances of union busting and just being really to uh, the individual workers. Even to the point where like Amazon has done, I don't know if you guys have seen this and this is beyond the story here, but like Amazon has basically treats humans like commodities um, where if you're like working in a warehouse, this is terrible. If you're working in a warehouse, like it tracks how many like pieces of, uh, or how many units you're shipping per like minute or whatever per hour. And if you don't hit certain goals, certain thresholds, you just get like a notification, like a, like a beep, like doot, doot, you're fired. Right? Like it's not, it's, there's like no human element to it. Um, it, it's really, really bad. Some of the stuff Amazon's doing to its staff. So when I see this, um, even though I shop on Amazon all the time, I have zero love lost for Amazon struggling to lay off people. Like, good, good. This is basically a nation-level union, a nation-level employee protection law. Good. Like, Google and Amazon are like basically, I, t I talk about this all the time, guys. Jeff Bezos is basically a modern, it, it's like the Gilded Age, except instead of like bronze and gilded stuff, it's like microchips and stuff. It's like a techno-gilded age. Bezos is operating like a um he's a baron he's a tech baron okay so when you run your company that you know efficiently or optimized um it, it you remove the human element about it so good that they're struggling to lay off workers um now i mean that doesn't mean like like i have to imagine that those 1600 employees not all of them are just like oh like we're we're not working and like you're struggling to fire them like it was probably some type of cold calculated math decision like, oh, uh, our Q4 numbers dipped here in Strasbourg, fire everybody there and just treating it like a, almost like a, like a balance sheet thing without any consideration. Dude, those 1600 people, I bet you many of them have families. I bet you many of them are depending on that job. I bet you many of them probably busted their hump. I bet you many of them went above and beyond. Uh, uh, so anyways, like, I'm glad to hear that labor laws are protecting these people. Um, sadly, you know, I have to imagine that Google and Amazon might think twice before um, hiring people, uh, not hiring, but like, you know, expanding into those markets. <clears throat> and um, yeah, the final thing I'll say, the final thing I say, because I say this from time to time, <clears throat> guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is just one step towards doing it. Build your network. You are the CEO of you. Think of yourself as a business. And when you go work somewhere, you're basically like contracting yourself as a resource from your business to them. <clears throat> you can get, you know, craft beer Fridays and, you know, attaboys emails and recognition and whatever. The company is a company. It's not your family. Even though you can have relationships and stuff, they will lay you off in a hot minute. 
and, and, and trust me, if Amazon didn't have these laws stopping them, these people would be in the streets and Amazon would be like, see ya, deuces. So do, do, do not get wrapped up in like, be like, do, do good work, but do not get wrapped around the axle that like your identity is that company because they don't care. It's all about money. Great cash, homie. All right, unless it's a nonprofit and, and then <clears throat> that's different, but for profit, it's for profit is for profit. Holla. Law firm for Uber loses driver's data to hackers <coughs> in yet another breach. This is the third data breach in six months for the rideshare giant. Law firm Genova Burns LLC, based in Newark, New Jersey, first noticed suspicious activity at the end of January and, after an investigation by outside specialists, discovered that its systems had been compromised and PII on an undisclosed number of Uber drivers had been stolen. Hackers. All right. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> all right. So check it out. Law firm for Uber loses drivers. Um, guys, law firms have tons of sensitive information. As far as I know, there's client attorney privilege and stuff, but that just keeps the lawyer from talking to you about certain things. There is no legislation that I'm aware of that, that requires from a regulatory perspective, law firms to maintain any level of information security. Furthermore, they could use tons of information security, but I have heard this is completely speculation or, or anecdotal evidence. I have heard that law firms are terrible to work with. Okay. I've heard this from practitioners. I did not, I'm not naming any particular law firm. I'm not saying I've worked for a law firm. I'm disclaiming all of this because a lawyer will come at me like that. I am just saying, I have heard in general, a regular typical law firm, not all of them will be really, really painful to work with, especially getting paid. They, they go through all the legalese, the contracts, all that stuff. And then <clears throat> they, um, they, they're like, you know, they'll hold you like, oh, you didn't do this part of the, uh, this one line item in the contract. You did it differently than what's here. We're not paying you. Peace out. So <clears throat> it's already not, it's not hap helping anyways. Uh, Uber obviously embroiled in all sorts of legal, legal things with drivers and tracking and don't forget the data breach and all that stuff. So they have tons of sensitive information. I don't know what the, the fallout is here. They don't, like I said, I don't know if there's any retribution. Like the law firm could just send Uber a letter and say, hey, like your information is important to us. Here's identity theft uh, protection for two years, right? The only thing that's going to hurt this law firm is reputational damage that they can't protect information um, so it's very rare that reputational damage has any lasting impact. Typically it's like, um, you know, like three months of a dip and then people forget quickly about, um, they forget quickly about the, um, the, 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 the breach and the impact. So whatever, if you're an Uber driver, your data was probably compromised. Um, I actually don't even think that the law firm even requires to notify you because it's the data from Uber. Uber might be required to tell you, but I don't know. Again, check the EULA, check your terms of service. When you signed up to be a driver, you may have signed away your rights to, to know anything. Um, hackers love to hate Uber. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So that's going to do it. <clears throat> um, we got, do we have another story? Launch a DDoS attack against Checkpoint. Yep. Anonymous Sudan, a group of hackers claiming to be Palestinians, launched a DDoS attack on Israel-based cybersecurity company Checkpoint. The attackers promised to launch a stronger version of a similar attack today, April 7th, with the intent of taking down the website completely. As of this recording, the Checkpoint website has been restored. At the same time, Anonymous Sudan allegedly has attacked several websites belonging to Israeli universities, including Tel Aviv University, the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, Ben-Gurion University of Negev, Haifa University, Weizmann Institute of Science, Open University of Israel, and Reichman University. Don't forget. All right, so <clears throat> here's the deal. This is a hacktivism, uh, Anonymous Sudan. I don't know if they're actually affiliated with Anonymous or if they're just kind of appropriating the name, but they are a hacktivist group and they are launching distributed denial of service attacks, which is basically just a more powerful denial of service attack, which is basically just sending massive amounts of bogus network traffic at a target um, to basically inundate it and attack that availability security objective. If you've been here since the beginning of the show, when I flipped out about the CIA triangle uh, or triad um, or quadrilateral, um, 
that's all it's doing is attacking availability. Denial of service attacks, they're not trivial. You don't point and click, but they're they're pretty easy as far as um, execution. They're only effective as long as you keep it up. As the story said, the checkpoint site is up. It did experience uh, some slower performance, but it's back up now. There's multiple controls in place to handle um, mitigating the damage done from a denial of service attack. So I don't know if Anonymous Sudan was just trying to flex and get in the news and call attention to their mission or their their um, agenda, right? You know, activists want to call attention, right? Like you want media coverage. You want people to know. That's the whole point of activism is to call attention and light uh, and focus to whatever your um, issues are. So this is just another one. So uh, it is what it is. It sounds like they're already back up and running. So this is kind of a <laughs> keep an eye out. But, you know, this is this is a fun story, but nothing really crazy. Okay, so Joel Belton says they're not associated with Anonymous. So uh, basically, Anonymous Sudan basically just appropriated the name. If you're familiar, Anonymous is a very, very, very well-known uh, hacker collective hacktivism group. They they kind of spin up and spin down. They're <laughs> Anonymous, it, this is such a nerd joke. Anonymous is basically like cloud hacking, right? And not hacking the cloud, but cloud hacking. Like They spin up and spin down based on demand and need, right? They're very elastic as far as a... Uh, hacking collective and they're actually kind of resilient because it's not just like one head they're, they're kind of um nebulous all right so that's really really cool let's do this really quick i've got a i have a sheet rocking guy downstairs so i <laughs> i can't talk much longer i'll do one quick minute um of jaw jacking guys i hope you got value from the stream again hit the like button not for my benefit but for those who um might find simply cyber and join our community and get into it um the shed the shed's in the backyard the fence is being finished today the drywall guy's down there i'm having an issue with the electrician not an issue but there's been a development with the electrician uh that we're getting sorted out i'm hoping to be in the shed uh by end of april working and um I know some people have been asking for updates and pictures. Maybe I'll post a couple to social media. I am working on like a, you know, video kind of like behind the scenes video to share with the community. Oh, uh, let's go. Nick did not accept the challenge, unfortunately. So if Cyber Ninja is still in chat and can tag somebody else, uh, that would be really, really cool. No, Wayne's real world. Yeah. Mrs. Ozier suggested the doghouse. I, I don't think we're going to run with that. I'm thinking more, um, I don't know, man. The keep. I don't like Fort Ozier, but uh, the keep, the, uh, I don't know, the, the studio. I suggested workshop, but my hands are too soft to, to call it the workshop. Yeah. All right, guys. I got a, the Ozier dome. <laughs> That's funny. Keep it crystal. Keep it crystal. Thank you. Keep it crystal. Ooh, the Cyber Citadel. I like that. That's cool. Cyber Den. All right, guys. Keep it going. We'll we'll, uh, we'll pick it up in chat. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. You guys worked hard. Finish strong. And until Monday morning, 8 a.m., stay secure. Thank you all very much. I genuinely appreciate all you do. Take care.